So the, the, the Celtic concept of deity is, is different, is, is different to what we would normally expect. Well, I'm going to let me wade ever further into that territory if I make. I find it absolutely fascinating. But while you spoke there, another bear popped into my mind, as my mm. with my Polish heritage. Um, this bear called Wojtek, who uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, who travelled, who was found actually by the Polish um, uh, prisoners who were mm. who were. Um, do you know this tale? No. No, well, don't it's, think so. It's popped into my brain because because he was found as a cub by the Polish um, prisoners of prisoners who were kept in Siberia, and when they were released in 1941, they got when they got to they went all over the place. A lot of them went to Palestine to join up with the, with the with the British army, and they formed the Polish Second Corps. And they found a cub, a bear cub, and um, and looked after it, and it travelled with them as their mascot, as the Polish Second Corps mascot, right through uh, the, uh, Italy, it grew up and it became a full-size bear during the war. It, fo- it was with them at the Battle of Monte Cassino as their, it, in quotes, mascot, and um, survived the war and came to this country and was, and was in Edinburgh Zoo. Now, that's... Your that sent a tingle up my spine, really, because I'd not thought about that until this very second. But it is almost as if the bear was protecting them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How interesting! It's it's like um, uh, it, it's kind of attached to them and is looking after them. I mean, the the, the one of the questions I ask about Artaus is why is he not connected to Mars? Because we think Mars is the god of war, and of course, mm. you think of bears, you think of like berserkers from the from uh, from uh, the Scandinavian area, and they feel quite warlike. Well, they of course a bear god must have had a warlike quality because they're big, as we just said. They can kind of you know if you get in a fight with a bear, it's going to kill you. Yes, but I think our Taoist, by being related to Mercury has all of these other levels to him, mm. which would be the protector. Um, the protector of the tribe, the protector of the group that he's with. And it's mm-hmm. very, very much like that bear sounds, that story of that bear is, yes, there's this warlike aspect, but it's a protector aspect, somebody who's looking after and nurturing as well as fighting. That's fascinating, nurturing as well as fighting, because the bear, because one of the things I do resent about, about, our, about the way in which we chuck language around is that people often say, um, Oh well, you know, stop behaving like an animal. You know yeah. that. But actually, if we did behave more like animals <laughs> and less like people, yes. it would be a nicer because no bear go, actually goes to war, does it? A bear no. doesn't war. It uses its no. power in different ways, doesn't it? You know, it's only we that go to war. Uh, the reason that the, the predominant reason why a bear would attack is if something is going into its territory. Mm. So this is why there are bear attacks in in kind of areas of america and europe because people are going into their territory the bears don't kind of form up and invade you kind of have to stumble onto it um that's why it attacks you so you're right i mean i i completely agree with you in terms of language what you know phrases like oh it's just a dumb animal and things like that actually Mm. they're they're a lot more intelligent than us i think on occasion (laughs) well yes can we touch on this notion of um, uh, when you were talking there so so fascinatingly about the notion of a deity being attached to or associated to a, fe- a, a sort of natural mm. uh, feature? And you talked there, for example, about, um, you know, 
bears being associated with streams and waters and so that's well, really uh, interesting if you think about uh, Bath um, the deity at Bath is Aquasulis um, which is a, and which before was a was a Celtic goddess um, in that area and then the Romans just come along and kind of Latinize it so uh, they're, they're attached to separate features if you go to uh, it's quite near here Chedworth Roman Villa they have a nymphaeum, which is my favourite part of the whole site because it's this well that was worshipped um, as where the goddess was was kind of housed. How interesting! Mm. Because so it isn't a kind of it isn't a quality of the of water as such. That's that's what is it that's linking the water to the bear? Is it? Is it just... Oh no, these, these are separate deities. Oh, these I'm are... so sorry. So, you, so, so in some places it's attached to a bear, in some places it's attached to a stream or a spring or a rock or a tree. It's, it's something that is powerful in their landscape that, that the Celts used to attach the deity to. So in, in Bath, it's Aquasulis. Uh, it's the deity there, whereas in Bern, it's the bear. And have the Christians just crushed this out of us? And my ignorance yeah. as I stumbled into a misunderstanding at that very moment. <laughs> Is that because, we, you know, our sensibilities, or at least my sensibilities, and people like me in the mainstream, <laughs> the so-called mainstream of English, British, European culture, mm. um, is that because we've had it crushed out and we can't, we, our, our minds, my mind can't really fully comprehend this, but it yeah. was there and it's gone. Mm. But it's, it's, I Yes. To answer the to answer the question one word, yes, I do, <laughs> and I know I know that some people get very uh, angry and angsty about that, and like all the Christians crushed it. I don't, it, you know, it's there. There are large connect. I see large connections between Christianity and the faith I follow, which is this modern reconstruction of Druidry. There, there are lots of similarities. Um, it's just for for a long time our brains have operated in a different way. And if you think about the difference, we're kind of heading back in that direction, I think, because if you think about like a monotheistic God, a single God, the idea of the Christian God is he will look after us and that we can pretty much do what we want and God will judge us and look after us. Mm -hmm. If you think about the Celtic approach, which is much more based on natural features, if you look after that natural feature, it's to use a modern day term it's more sustainable because you then worship the river and look after the river yes. rather than thinking that someone's going to look after it for you yes yes and this notion that's very interesting that turns on turns a whole new light onto the word worship doesn't it is more about mm. a sort of relationship of, yeah. of humility yeah to the to the natural landscape um mm. which christianity has I mean, it's very interesting when you travel about and you see, for instance, in Ireland, you you come across um, you come across because I think the, the, the you know well I don't know, but my suspicion would be that ill-educated suspicion would be that Celtic Christianity is tr closer to Celtic um, theology, as it were, than, than 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 here. But you come across springs and so on, don't you? Which are have become almost all the springs seem to me to be associated now with the Virgin Mary and, and, yes. and so on, but they do have this, still have this holy quality, don't they? And holy water and all of that. Yeah. 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 So that they've got goddess with, goddesses were very often associated with springs and like exactly what you say in Ireland, that has 
uh, translated into uh, the worship has been as a, in a Christian sense through the Virgin Mary. The Virgin Mary, obviously, in a lot of other uh, Christian faiths, is not as important as she is in kind of Irish Catholic yes. uh, belief. And that is because there are a large number of Celtic goddesses uh, who are associated with the land and features of Ireland, who is kind of turned into either saints. So, for example, one of the big, uh, one of the main Celtic goddesses that is worshipped in Ireland, but also across the British Isles in, in a pagan sense, is called Bridget. Um, mm -hmm. And she is the goddess of the hearth. Uh, we particularly celebrate her on uh, the 2nd of February, which is Imolk. Um, and there is a Saint Bridget as well, who is a, a Christian saint. And the two in mythology have kind of become intermixed. Mm. Um, so we've got the, the Bridget, the, the deity, the goddess, and Saint Bridget, the, the nun, who are kind, have kind of become the same person. Interesting. Very interesting. And, and the segue from there, less than elegant, takes me to... Uh, <laughs> but it's popped a thought into my mind about C.S. Lewis, funnily enough, what you just said mm. there. Because in because in the in in uh, line of which wardrobe, the animals uh, speak and they move around and they have life and spirit and energy and magic. I think in some mm -hmm. cases, and it and and the opposite of that is when they become non-talking animals. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and I forget who I think is the white witch or something. Yes, does that to them. So that 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 jumps this thought into my mind here. Going back to your book. Um, and you write about uh, coming back to the 21st century, particularly the M5 was a horrible <laughs> shock to the system. <laughs> we can all empathise with that. As I drove home, I reflected that none of the archaeological evidence that Erica considers in her article was connected to my home county, Warwickshire. And yet I am surrounded by bears. I live in Stratford-upon-Avon, the most well-known stage direction by the town's famous son. And both my listeners will already be saying it. And this is one of those moments where when I read it, I thought, oh, yeah. William Shakespeare is exit pursued by a bear from Act 3, Scene 3 of The Winter's Tale. Yep. And there we are. There's this, there, there's, there, there's another feature. Mm. Now, tell us the story of, uh, if, you care, if you care to, about, uh, you know, the bear and, and that, that particular bear, who it was thought it might be associated with. You go on to describe that very interestingly. Yeah, yeah there's, I mean, the, again, again, talking about hidden in plain sight, the, 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 the play that got me in to Shakespeare and made me move to Stratford and do my MA in Shakespeare studies was The Winter's Tale. Oh. I did it. I did it for A-level. I had a really inspirational teacher because I'd done Macbeth at GCSE and fell asleep. Um, <clears throat> but you know, I had a really inspirational teacher who just got me into this play and I just fell in love with The Winter's Tale. Yeah. Um, to the point where it was the first Shakespeare that I went to see in the theatre. I went to London to see it. It was the first play I directed by myself uh, when I was at university, I directed The Winter's Tale. I ended up being in it um, when I was at the Shakespeare Institute. And then of course I ended up teaching it uh, in various, so this, this, again, this play's always kind of been there with me. Um, but yeah, they, they think that the bear in The Winter's Tale may have been a real bear. There is still this kind of discussion because there were, they were baby bears that were kept in London at the time. Obviously the theatres in London were close to bear baiting pits. Um, but it's specifically, they think it was a couple of baby polar bears uh, that are noted in Henslow's diary could well have uh, been yeah. the bear uh, that was used at the Globe in the Winter's Town. How interesting. Rather than a person in a suit, because it is a notoriously difficult bit of the play to do, because <laughs> everyone's kind of waiting for it. Yes. And unless a blooming great big bear wanders onto the stage, 
yes. you kind of feel a little bit left out. I mean, you know, have, I, have you ever seen it done really, really well? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, the best, the best one was it was an RSC production in about 1992 or 93. John Nettles was playing Leontes, um, and on it, they, they kind of had a storm going, so the lightning was going off. And they brought on a, a person in a huge bear suit. Huh. And I was sitting at such an angle that I just saw it coming at me and it looked so realistic. Wow. There was a genuine moment of panic of, oh God, they've got a real bear. <laughs> 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 which was, you know, which was like, oh, and then it was like, actually, this is wonderful. This is just exactly what I've always wanted it to be. Because whenever I've been in it or directed it, we obviously you can't have a bear. Um, so to be able to have that resource of having someone in an enormous costume just worked. It came on on all fours and then stood up onto its back legs to to kill uh, Antigonus. It was wonderful. And uh, am I to infer from what you've written here that that that, that, that and what you've just said that 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 maybe uh, I forget where it would, would have been the global theatre, but that that um, they actually had a bear, yes. a polar bear. They may well have had they may well have had a polar bear that came on at Good that point Lord. and chased Antigonus off. Good yeah. Lord. Yeah. That is quite, amazing. It is, isn't it? Because you know that the, the little polar bears were trained to, would, would have been trained to do tricks. Um, huh. and so they would have been uh, before they before their later life ended up in the bear basin pits, presumably. Um, but they would have they would have been fairly tame. So to get the bear just to kind of walk on and somebody run away from it. The, the, the audience would have been used to seeing bears from the bear baiting pits next door. So for them, it wouldn't have been as spectacular as it was for us, but it, it would still add a nice level of realism in there. Because we, because uh, I suppose, because bears were in, in at the beginning of the 17th century, were bears still wild in our forests? We don't, that we, we're not quite sure. We're not quite sure that the article that I quote in the book isn't sure. She, she can't really tell us exactly when, um, but um probably not but they would have had this there would still have been this very strong folk resonance wouldn't there of of crikey these are beautiful and magnificent and terrifying yes and of course the polar bear being the odd color being white would have been a slightly more exotic than the the bears that they were using in the bear baiting those poor little animals yes you quote you quote philip henslow saying two polar bear cubs which were brought back from the waters off greenland Mm. in 1609 yeah. before they even knew about america or at least before we knew of course the americans knew all about america they were living there but um <laughs> uh they were brought back from greenland good mm. lord yeah good and so the audience would just have not really have seen anything like that no. before so that would have been no. a really spectacular <gasps> moment those poor little cubs and their I mother know. would probably have been well, I don't want to well, get too the, the, mo- the mother was probably killed, which is why they brought the bear cubs back. Oh that my lord! I mean, there's there, one of the one of the bits in the book. I mean, yeah, as as an animal lover and as a vegan, there are bits of this book which have been very difficult to write. Yeah, um, you know, one of the one of the primal things that I talk about is uh, Hallowell's investigations into uh, the bear hunts that used to happen in cultures all the way around the world. Um, they, he found lots and lots of similarities between them, but they would quite often kill the mother and then take the bear cub in for a year and look after the bear cub for a year before slaughtering it a year later. Oh. Um, so, they, but they would look after it very, very well and kind of treat it as like a king. And then, but then the poor thing was killed a year later and, and kind of ceremonially eaten. But so, yes, yeah, some of it has been 
difficult and challenging from 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 an animal lover's point of view. I don't are, blame there are, you. There are some fairly modern bear practices which I've avoided because, uh, yeah, but uh, try to avoid all of that. Uh, yes, you do actually. Because and thank thankfully, thankfully, but it needs to be spoken about. Me, mm. good lord. Mm. Um, now then, I, 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 time is running away with me. Uh, we ought to do six episodes about this because it's literally <laughs> so interesting. But now I, I'm going to, I'm going to leap. I'm tempted to say let's do a second episode or a third because I'm going to do this in two halves as it happens. But because there is so much here, which which is kind of catalytic for you know grappling with modern times, actually. Mm. Um, uh, as we, as you just referenced, what it made me think of while you were talking there was it was the, the extraordinary way in which we treat animals in this country is just, uh, and in this, you know, in our in our world is is quite yeah. is quite abysmal, in fact. Um, and uh, but the wagyu beef thing, you know, where these these animals are treated, as you just said, almost magisterially as they're kind of mm. animal monarchs and massaged and all, and then killed, yeah, and eaten, yeah, yeah. some good. Some- God, pardon my. Friend. One of the things that people always say to me about um, whenever they, you know, as a vegan, people do challenge you fairly often. They're like, well, if everybody ate plants, what would happen to all the cows? And I kind of say to them, well, cows did exist before yes. we ate them. <laughs> you know, not everything. I mean, unfortunately, everything in our world has to be of use to humanity. Otherwise, we kind of get rid of it. Um, and you still see that argument, which is, well, just let the cow live. Let the cow do what the cow wants to do and be what the cow wants to be and it doesn't have to have a purpose for us it can just exist on its own it doesn't have to be a product right. you know and that but that is that's quite a big shift of world view from where we currently are but in but don't you think i've seen this to kira i'm vegan also and kira isn't and and but uh, but uh, but never, nevertheless um, i don't try to persuade her or anything but we, we talk yeah. about these things about you know in a thousand years time people will look back on this as being yeah. just appalling won't yeah. they, really yeah. Yeah, and it's and you know it is I because I'm not I'm like you I don't try to convince anyone I live with someone who eats meat and dairy and all of that not often because I do most of the cooking so <laughs> you know um, she, she's quite happy to uh, to kind of eat what I what I dish up but it's you know it's if we th- the secret is open everybody you can it's we know what we do in those places we know how we treat those animals it's just there people just you've just got to look at it and go. Okay, I'm not prepared to accept that anymore. Yes. But it is an open secret. Yes. That's why I don't necessarily nag people because it's like you know what I know. Yes, um, and that that uh, brings to there's so many. I'm skipping over so many things here. Um, we've touched on the dark materials, but there's about and there's about two hours conversation <laughs> about the bear there, and you've taught me a great deal about Beowulf, for example. I had no, and, and then you talk about the, and then there's the whole piece about, um, you know, the, 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 uh, uh astronomical links to, uh, yes. bears and so on. Yeah. And, and perhaps we can touch on a bit of that. This is going to be an inadequate jump, but beautiful. And again, another example of your beautiful writing where you say, um, a bit later on in the book where you talk about, and this is going to load effectively. And you're, you're writing here about, uh, about, um Eleanor and uh and uh you say uh um while this section does play into the wider narrative about booking tradition played out in the beautiful fast flowing river with one character in the figure of a bear 
The film seems to be encouraging us to get out into the wilderness and become wild ourselves. Mm, this is Brave. Film. This is the Disney film Brave. Yeah. Yes. However, while a touch of wildness may be healing, the film also warns us about giving into our wild side too much. At several points while she's in bear form, Eleanor loses herself completely, her transformation into a bear becoming mental as well as physical to the point where she begins to attack her daughter. It turns out that being half bear and half human is the perfect balance, just like the ancient myths told us. That's spectacular, Andrew. That's spectacularly written. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> I watched, I've, I've watched Br uh, Brave a couple of times and what the film purports to be about and what it tells you it's about just doesn't match up with what I ever walk away from it with. It is that the mother is happier when she's half bear and half human. And the film ends with her having lost a lot of the, the kind of the social constrictions that bind her in and make her feel that she has to behave in a certain way. Mm. So all of that kind of disappears and she becomes wilder and freer, just not completely wild and completely animal. Mm. When we so say wild, of course, we mean different to uh, human wild is, uh, you know, human understanding of, as it were, kind of modern Western understanding of what we, what we mean by wild is kind of football hooligan, mass yes. murderer. That is not what you mean by wild, no. is it? No, it's, <clears throat> it's about being in touch with things and at one with things. So the mother, for example, as I said, she wades into the, she wades into the stream in that film and she can't <clears throat> hunt the salmon and she has to learn how to hunt the salmon by kind of understanding how the salmon flows up the stream. So it's about looking at the natural cycles, the eddies, the flows, mm. and going with that rather than, it's, it's what we were saying before about how bears don't go to war and we say, oh, stop behaving like an animal. Mm. Actually, the animals are, are doing this kind of thing where they're kind of connected and they understand the world. We don't. We've become so kind of far distanced from it that we're kind of constrained with human society. And that means we don't understand the world outside our window, really. Mm. Um, and it's about becoming more in tune with that world rather than these kind of odd, strange uh, norms that we put on ourselves, really. And perhaps even beyond this world. Yeah. So that yes, takes me to this. We ought to finish with this, I think, because it's beautiful. Okay. And I'd like to hear you riff on this a bit, um, where you talk about uh, in this beautiful section called And He Was Made of Stars. Oh, um, beautiful picture. Uh, totally. And you write about your Glastonbury trip, I think. So if I just go back, uh, back a bit. Deep, deep in the autumnal woodland, a badger sits among ferns and grasses, looking up at a silvery, opaque figure before him. It is the figure of a bear, standing on its hind legs, looking down beneficently at the Badger at his feet. Uh, trail, this is it. Trails of light and stars emanate from the bear, weaving through the woodland and out into the night sky, where the constellation of Ursa Major runs beneath the moon. A chalk white horse glints in the moonlight. The bear's coat shimmers with stardust. A small crescent moon hangs above the hairs. And the title of this piece of work is And He Was Made of Stars. Mm. Wow. 
yeah. floor is yours. It's, Tell us more about that. <laughs> it's it's again, it's part of this kind of serendipity that I I, I found while writing the book of things that appeared to me. Um, and I was in Glastonbury and I found this picture, this card called, and he was made of stars. And it is this badger looking at this bear. And it is astonishing because we don't have the bear left in this country anymore, but our version, our mini version of the bear is the badger. And there is this <clears throat> mythological, spiritual connection between badgers and bears um, in, in the British Isles. So that the badger is like the remaining uh, representative of the bear on our lands. And this picture just depicts that beautifully. It is that the badger looking up at like his granddad, and that's the bear looking back down on him. And it is such a, a beautiful, beautiful image. And the bear is see-through very much like the RTO that I described at the beginning with, with the, the translucent coat, but this one's got stars and moons, uh, stars and moons and planets through it. And it is just beautiful um, because although the bear isn't physically present in this country anymore, it still has an energy here. It still has a spirit and a presence on this land through badgers, but also kind of through our other myths like the Warwickshire bear and King Arthur and, and those things as well. So although our bear is missing and has been missing for a long time, it is still here, just in a more obscure way. We ought to just name check Hannah Willow, shouldn't we? Because Hannah Willow. just, just, I, 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 you've kindly included a link in your book to yes. her website. And of course, when I went on it, her work is astonishing, oh, is it not? It, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. That I, I couldn't get a I couldn't get a copy of it to go in the book, so I, I link people through to her website because although they may not <clears throat> they may not be you know they may not pick that one up, but I know from talking to Hannah and from seeing some of her other work, she's developed this now. She's like looking at a story and a story book with the bear and the badger, this kind of Is real she? badger and this spirit bear, and so now more and more of these are appearing on her on her website and on her Instagram feed. And every time I see them, they're just they're just stunning and beautiful. And, oh, it's you know. so worth it. I'll put a link in the in the uh, you know in the bit yeah. uh, in the bit about in the podcast and the YouTube thing, because you 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 pop onto her um, you pop onto her site and you, you, everything you see you want. Yeah, I've got I've got one kind of out at the moment, which is a hare, which is uh, the, again the white horse is behind it, but the hare is leaping through the sky over the white horse and it's just it's a beautiful beautiful image now then i'm going to take a brief pause because i have to go in a moment because my friend dave is uh as uh, i'll cut this bit out because i don't imagine dave would like to appear in this <laughs> hello dave um i'll be with you and i'll just unmute you i will cut this out i promise um ask for dave I, i'll i'm just finishing up i'll be two minutes so uh so uh won't, won't, won't be too long won't be too long. I'm just doing a recording with Andrew here. Uh, Dave is kind enough to, uh, he's going to do a piece for ZTE, uh, a piece of Thomas More. Oh, uh, very nice. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I, like, I like the puckering last, the letter to puckering last night. Oh, it's, crikey. That's very, it's very much in our area. That's because Becky's PhD was on Thomas Kidd. So. Is it? Hmm. How interesting, oh, serendipity. So let's let's. I'll, I'll briefly pause and I'll pop back into. Uh, hope you can hear me, Dave. Don't go away. Don't go away. Don't go away. Can you hear me? Not if you can hear me. You can. Excellent. I'll be two minutes. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll come. I might leave this in actually because it's quite 
Dave Goldston there, one of the finest uh, minds I have ever come across. So now, Andrew, let's finish up with what, how, how can we possibly, there's no good place to do the, tell us about Bear, tell us about the Bear Link to Beowulf and, and then anything else you'd like to leave us with uh, yeah. before we wrap up. Uh, well, <clears throat> Beowulf, Beowulf's name is Beowulf, um, <clears throat> which is a, a kenning. And all the way through, they use these funny kennings all the way through Beowulf. And be a Beowulf is a bear. So it's, it's another name for a bear. Oh, uh, so that's where we get the word Beowulf from. Um, and of that. course, it's, yeah, be Beowulf is a bear. So it's, uh, in, it's, it's in the same way in Beowulf, they, they refer to the sea as the whale road, which is just amazing. I love that, frankly. Um, yeah. But of course, Beowulf being this uh, adventurer, kind of hero figure that we see in what is essentially the first piece of English literature, who goes on great big journeys, you know, it's the, the basis for things like Lord of the Rings. Um, and he is a hero, and that hero is what we call a bear son. It comes from... Um, a, a kind of a, a, a line of mythology where heroes who were human, but they had like a bear mother, so they're half human, half bear again, went out and adventured, went into the underworld and came out again stronger and, and kind of being able to heal their societies. Uh, and we see it in people like Ulysses and, and, and other big characters as well um, from in early myth. But he's a bear son. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and he is our first, our first piece of English literature, and he is a representative of the bear. Fascinating. It's a must-read, Andrew, and I'm so glad that you've written it. It's taught Thank me. You. This book has taught me, taught me so much, and it's and in the best, in the best uh, tradition of of great teaching. It's as it's raised so many questions in my mind and made me so curious to follow up as many of the leads that you've, as many of the paw prints that you've left in the forest for us to follow. And it's a, it's a, it's beautifully written. It's astonishingly well-researched. Yes, and uh, if I may say, as a humble reader, I'm saying that, uh, but so. Thank you. Thank you. That, that does mean a lot. That really does mean a lot. So thank oh, you. Well, good. I hope, I hope everybody buys it and I hope it's part of the, you know, uh, we've got to be optimistic, haven't we? Maybe things are going to change as we move out yes. of the shadow of Donald Trump and out of the shadow of uh, Brexit and Boris Johnson. And perhaps there are forests that will delight, amaze oh. and terrify us into which we shall emerge. Let's let's hope so. <laughs> let's, we need more forests. We definitely need more forests. So let's hope. Let's hope that RTO and Artuis are maybe not hiding in there waiting for us, but let's hope that they look after those forests for us. <laughs> Good. Thank you, Andrew. Excellent. Thank you very much.